This is Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. Episode 26, Two Flavors of Volatility. Hello, and welcome to another session of Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. Today, we're going to go back to the subject of volatility that we discussed recently. And we're going to talk about two flavors of volatility. In that regard, this current episode is related to two previous episodes, the three flavors of inflation that I did some time ago and the volatility one that I did more recently. Today, we'll be talking about two flavors of volatility. The first is historical volatility, and I'll explain in a moment or review in a moment how that's calculated. And the second is expected volatility. So, starting with historical volatility, here's how you do it. And I urge you to to just do this calculation for a stock you might hold or for the market or whatever you find interesting. You first download the price data. I'll be working with the S&P 500. So you get the level of the index, you download that for a period of time. Then you compute the returns on a daily basis. The return is the percentage change in the index. The volatility is the standard deviation of those returns. You may have to go back to your introductory stat book to understand the standard deviation, but it's basically a measure of how much those returns move around. And that is what is meant by volatility. So as an example, I've done that here. I downloaded the S&P 500 from the beginning of 2021 through uh, Friday, March 11th. And I computed the returns. And then I estimated a six-month standard deviation. That is, I used six months of data, historical data, to estimate the standard deviation. And I started with that estimate at the beginning of 2022 and then rolled forward. Each day, I'd add a new day and drop one day off the back. Okay, with all that behind us, here on the screen, you should see a plot of the historical volatility of the Standard & Poor's 500. And there's a couple things to note here. First is it's not very high. Starts around 13 and rises to 17% per year. That's a pretty quiescent market. The second is the curve looks quite smooth. It's not very jagged. And there's a mathematical reason for that. Because the historical volatility uses six months of historical data, one day's data when it's added to the end and another one dropped off is not going to change the estimated standard deviation very much. So that curve moves very smoothly and slowly. That's the historical volatility. And incidentally, many analysts and reporters and whatnot just speak about market volatility without specifying what flavor they're talking about. As we'll see in a moment, that's a big mistake. So how do we get expected volatility? Well, it turns out there's a way to do that from market prices. The prices of options on the S&P index reflect the underlying expected volatility of investors. 
So by starting with the price and the characteristics of the options, you can solve for the implied or expected volatility. And this is done by the Chicago Board Options Exchange, which has actually developed a, a mechanism you can trade or a security you can trade that's based on the 30-day expected volatility computed from option prices. So to bring this home, let's look at the, let's add that to our graph. And you can see that it looks a whole lot different than the historical volatility. It's higher because people are much more worried looking forward than they were six months ago. And it's much more jagged. Remember, in our episode on price-earnings ratios, I said, while historical data moves slowly, expectations can change on a dime. And you can see, looking at the, the, this VIX, this implied volatility, that it suddenly jumps when the war in the Ukraine starts, then it comes back down, and it's now reached a new high level of almost 37% per year. Well, what's the implication of this high expected volatility, this 37% per year? One is that equity investing is likely to be more risky. That's what traders are saying. The future uncertainty in the returns on the S&P 500 has risen. That's the bad news. The good news is when volatility, when expected volatility rises, so do option prices. That means bigger option premiums. So for uh, investors such as the Cornell Capital Group that make active use of options in managing risk, the higher volatility means higher premiums and opportunities that may not have been there when the market was more quiescent. This has been Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. For more information, please visit www.cornell-capital.com. This podcast is being made available for educational purposes only and should not be used for any other purpose. The information contained herein does not constitute and should not be construed as an offering of advisory services or an offer to sell or solicitation to buy any securities or related financial instruments in any jurisdiction.